Brother Dave, I went to garage sales and bought, bought used furniture. I wasn't going to borrow or buy nothing from nobody. I was finally going to be a man. I was finally going to be on my own. And, and I was preparing to be a husband and a father. And I was trying to live in a reality that was terrifying for me because I lived in a reality which I had never seen a mother and a father in the home all the time. My parents weren't married. And so now here it was my job to emulate something that I had never seen. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't feel bad for me. I love my parents and they love me. I knew both of them. They were in my life. But I was trying to embark on a journey on which I had never taken. I'd seen my brothers do it. I'd seen other people do it. And, and, and part of me was terrified because I was about to start my roadmap to adulthood. And if you know anything about me, Willie Berry is a man's man. He doesn't ask anybody for anything. Uh, there was an old song by James Brown said, I don't need nobody to give me nothing. Open up the door and I get it myself. That's, that's how I came up. I, did, I, I came up like that. I came up that I wasn't going to let nobody take care of me. I was going to take care of myself. Why? I don't want to ask you for nothing because if I ask you for something, you might come in my house and start telling me how I need to run my house. And ain't nobody running my house but me. That's how I was, but I was terrified because I was trying to do something that I didn't have a model for. And now I had to create from the pieces I had glimpsed from my brothers and their roadmaps how to start adulthood. And you know what I did, Brother Dave? I did what any educated young man with a college degree was. I went and got books. I went and got Raising Dad by Thomas Rainier, and I began to start reading books. By the way, that's a bad idea. That doesn't really work. But you can read all the books you want. I went to parenting classes. I learned all of these things. I bought them realizing that I needed something for success. And I realized later that all the things that I thought I didn't have, I already had. You know why, Terhan? Because despite imperfections, my mama had raised me in the church. My mother had raised me in the church. I remember Sunday school and BTU. What's BTU? It's Baptist Training Union. I remember on Wednesdays being bored out of my mind. Why? Because Wednesday evening was mission meeting, and there was old mothers with the white nurses' uniforms on and the hats, and they would go to mission, and they had their own book, and they would be sitting there. All these old people and Deacon Bill, he's still alive, was sitting there going over mission meeting, and I'm sitting there bored out of my mind as a kid listening to them talk about the Bible. I thought we did this on Sunday. I want to play while I'm in here with these old people listening to all this stuff. And all the time I'm there, that stuff is being downloaded on the inside of me. Every Wednesday. I was hating Wednesday because I wanted to get out and play. But after a while they started moving into another room to her, and there was a piano in the, in the church. And don't you know, I started tinkering around with that thing the whole time that I thought I was just living. God was developing me. Somebody said he's developing you. But see, we didn't just have mission meeting when I was coming up. My grandmother had mission meetings on Wednesday, but on Saturdays, a lot of times they didn't have insurance, so they would have what you call society meetings. And in society meeting, you have to come where people put their money together. And when people die, they had what you call death assessments. And those, those people would have to try to put that money together to bury people. So I was at church on Wednesdays. I was at church on Sundays. And sometimes on Saturdays as a little kid, I thought that was unfair. And then 
then even on that, we had prayer meetings, brother. Dad. If church wasn't enough, at least once a year, we had to come out all week long, five days a week, and we have to sit here on these front pews, and we have to pray with people leaning over us and praying over us until we got what they call saved or got religion. That's what they would call it. They were trying to say, I got religion, but they found religion, but they said, you got to pray until you get religion. And I would sit there, and there was a whole week of church service, and I said, that's enough church. But don't you know something, Jay? The very next week, every week came revival. And we were in church another five days long, <laughs> listening to sermon after sermon, listening to Dr. W.L. Johnson sing, shackled by a heavy burden, below, beneath a load of guilt and shame, but below, below the hand of Jesus touched me, and I am no longer the same. Listening to his booming, deep, uh, deep tenor voice, uh, actually baritone voice, begin to talk about Paul and Silas and midnight and how they preached, listening to, to Dr. J.C. Smith begin to preach about all the things that God had done, listening to sermon after sermon raised in the church. And then after that, you think we'd be done, but it's, it's revival season. So what do you have? We have baptism. And baptism back home down south was a community event. There were people with food and concessions, and when I was little, before they started putting out a cement pond, we used to baptize in an actual pond, and we would leave the house. We would leave the church, and sometimes even after they made the cement block pond, I would say, why are you leaving this perfectly clean water? And we would march down a hot, dusty road over amongst cattle and other things into a river and to get down in a muddy pond, and I remember people coming down and going through and being baptized in an old, muddy, dirty pond. And, and I remember saying, I remember when I get older, I won't have to do all this stuff. And I've come to let you know that I remember Bible study. I remember the first Bible study when they restarted it back. My brother gave me a Bible scripture. It was Isaiah 40, 31. That was my first memory scripture. For they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not I remember all of these things, and although I strayed at times, although I didn't do everything like I needed to, even though my mother wasn't the perfect person, I was raised in a culture that was imperfect, but at least they knew who God was. And I'm in this pulpit today because of the providence of God and the prayers of the saints and the prayers of my mama. I'm here today because my mama didn't send me to church. She brought me to church and she set up a standard of commitment so that even when I strayed, I had to come back to the house of God. If you as an adult treat church as an option, your children will treat it as unnecessary. I can't see Brother Barry why I can't get my kids in church because you went when you felt like it so they didn't realize the importance of it. I am where I am today because a community of people at Harvard Chapel Missionary Baptist Church discipled me and had my mother not kept me in the way of people teaching me the Bible just like those kids downstairs are learning the Bible right now. I would not be standing here today. I've come to let you know if the generation beyond us is going to survive, we've got to Learn to be committed to God. Amen. We've got to learn to be committed to his word. 
come here millennials and Gen X and Gen Z, if you're feeling lost with no direction and you don't know what truth is, find a church community that you can connect with and get committed, dig in and serve and become consistent. Stop straddling the fence and expecting to get on the other side. Because when you straddle the fence, all you get is stuck. You're stuck between two worlds. And you're not really enjoying either one. You're close enough to the church that the world doesn't, doesn't feel as good as it should. And then you're close enough in the world that you can't get all the benefit out of the church. Do what Joshua said. Choose you this day who you will serve. Pull up the next power principle. We're going to move on. I want you to know this. We say it with me if they have it. Direction and protection will come when we move from acquainted with God to committed to God. We need to say that together. Let's read it together. Direction and protection will come when we move from acquainted with God to committed to God. It's plenty of people tell you they're religious. Yeah, I know God. I used to go to church every now and then. That don't matter to a hill of beans. I mean, can I be real with you today? Just because you know a few scriptures don't mean nothing. God knows our heart. He does. He knows you're not committed. And he's not going to help you in that. He's a loving father, but he's a just judge. He doesn't save those who are acquainted with him. He saves those who are committed to him. You know what that means? Oh, Jesus, I wanted to be nice today, Lord. <laughs> Do I really have to say that? There are a lot of people in the church that ain't saved. There are really a lot of people in the church that are lifting their hands and they're on the way to hell. Because they're acquainted with religion and not committed to God. You've got to submit to him and give you him your heart. You've got to say, Lord, I've tried it my way. I'm abandoning my way. I'm leaning on you by grace through faith. I cannot save myself. I've got to give it up and give it to you. Freedom comes when you surrender. Freedom comes when you quit trying to do it on your own. Freedom comes when you quit trying to make sense of life outside of God and his word. The Bible says in him was life, and that life was the light of men. If you want to know direction in life, get committed to Jesus. That's it. Somebody help me. Help me preach. Somebody said it. Somebody said stay committed. committed. Don't just get committed, but you got to stay committed. Hallelujah. See, nations and families and organizations and generation and peoples should always remain committed to God when they leave biblical principles and become infected by the perverse surroundings of the culture and the destruction is soon to follow. Therefore, commitment to God is a form of protection from destructive mindsets and decisions. Hallelujah. That's why Joshua chapter 23 verse 12 says this, or else if you indeed go back, somebody said don't go back, and, and cling to the remnant of these nations. He's telling them that God brought you this land, but there are other people around you, other influences that are, that are there that are going to be bad for you. And if you don't listen, you're going to go back among them. And here's the thing, I'm not going to even remove them. He said, I'm going to let them say, if you want them that bad, you can have them. 
If you want Taylor Swift, you can have her. <laughs> if you want your popular culture, you can have it. But it won't save you. If you want your marijuana, you can have it. But it won't save you. You want your Percocet and your Miley? You can have it. You want your premarital sex? You can have it. All the things that the culture offers, you can have it all, but you will be lost. What profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What will a man, Jesus said, give in exchange for his soul? You can't find the blessings of God sitting on the fence. I'm going to say it again. I'm, I'm, my mind's not going. I know what I'm saying. The only thing you can get is stuck. Oh, Jesus. Is this helping somebody this morning? He says this, if you indeed go back and cling to the remnant of these nations that remain among you and make marriages among them and go into them uh, and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you. Let, let's read that last part right there, because I need to talk to somebody who got some, some destructive people in your life, and you keep blaming the church and everybody else. It's not the church's fault. It's yours, because you haven't kicked them to the curb. You need to do like they say to the left to the left. You need to kick them out of your life. That's why you can't be committed because you're trying to be friends with people that are not committed to God and is not going to work. What does it say? But they shall be what? Snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eye until you perish from this good land that the Lord your God has given you. You may be saved but if you keep people in your life that don't have God on your mind you, they eventually going to be the end of How many people do you know that have been destroyed, not because they couldn't make decisions, but they were connected to people that introduced them to bad things? Amen. And those bad things destroyed them. He says, I'm not going to, I'm, not, I'm going to give you a choice, but just know if you choose that, you're going to pay for it the rest of your some of us in here right now, mama told you to leave her alone. She was fast. And for 18 years, you paid for it for 18 years. Daddy told you that he wasn't no good. Yeah, he was pretty. But don't no 30-year-old man need to still be playing Xbox. He need to be working somewhere. He not go, he, and, and, but you did it now. I can't get him to work. He has no drive. He late to work. Why? Because he always up on PlayStation or Xbox. You married a boy. You didn't marry a man. You should have listened to daddy. Now you got to deal with it. We have a generation of young people now. Young men, I'm not knocking on them, but they're stuck in their basements playing Xbox and playing games like little kids instead of going out and being real men. And they don't have men in their life to say, get off the fence. It was good when you were a boy, but you don't need to be spending all your money on video games. Get up and live real life. Come on and make a life for yourself. Get out of your parents' basement and get your own house. And don't worry about letting a lady drive her car. You let her ride in yours. You have your own stuff and you grow up and be the man God is calling you to be. Get off the fence of boyhood and get into the land of manhood. It's time for you to be committed to it. If you're going to do it and Stop straddling the fence. Oh, Jesus. I hope you come back next Sunday. <laughs> It'll be nicer. 
Maybe. I can't guarantee that. <laughs> I can't guarantee that. It's going to be truthful, though. You're going to get the truth. Hallelujah. We have raised a generation of little boys that don't know scripture but know every cheat code on the game. They never crossed over into manhood. And they don't know what it means to be a real man. Because they had nobody to show them. And I'm not going to jump on them. You know why? It's not their fault. It's ours. Because we didn't lead them. We didn't bring them to church. They said they didn't feel like going. And we just left the house. Do you know what would happen to me? If my mama said, I'm way more lenient with my kids than my mama was with me. Mama ain't going to tell you, but one time it's time to go to church. The next time, you're going to be putting a Band-Aid on your eye, and you're going to be getting up and getting ready for church. She wasn't going to beg you to be on time. My grandma was coming to pick us up, and you better be at the door when she get there. Or it was going to be some problems. <laughs> she wasn't going to beg you to do right. All the kids sat in the back back there. Brother Day, I hated it. I could never sit in the back. I always had to sit up front. But a lot of old kids still weren't in church. And every now and then when I got to sit in the back, if they got too loud, mama would do this. And she would look down over her glasses. And that gla- I know what that translated to. Just wait till I get you home. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for us to get off of the fence. It's time for us to raise a generation of young men and young women that hold fast to the word of God and are productive people in life and stop acting out adolescents and move over into manhood and to womanhood and be intimate with God. Why does he not want them intermarrying? It's not because he cares about interracial marriage. There's no only one race, the human race. The reason is because intimacy breeds devotion. And if in our relationships we are devoted to people, places, or things that are not devoted to God, they will hinder our growth and it pulls us in a different direction from God. It will be a slow death, he said. You'll slowly die. You'll miss a service here or there. They're going camping this week, so we can go camping. <laughs> they got to go on Sunday. They couldn't go on Saturday. We're going to catch a game today. We'll catch it today. They had a game on Wednesday, but we'll, we'll do that one on Sunday. It's okay, I miss one here, and then it's a slow death, and then next thing you know, Pastor, I'm going to get back in church as soon as I can. I don't know what happened to me. You died a slow death because you were connected to the wrong people, and now you are spiritually dead. You know you need to come to Bible study, but you can't. Because you allowed the wrong people to pull you away. You know you need to get up on Sunday morning and not watch it online but you allowed the wrong influences to pull you the wrong way. And you will not truly enjoy the blessing of God to the fullest until you are all in and committed. I remember when I was playing football, there was this thing called the bear crawl. I learned to despise the bear crawl. But when you didn't do what you needed to do, you had to do this thing called bear crawls. And it's where you get on your hands and feet and you can't use your knees and you're crawling and your feet are naturally, your thighs are naturally stronger than your arms. And they're pushing you like this. But what they're trying to do, and no matter what you do, you can't quit. 
And then when you finish, they might do this thing called a suicide. And a suicide, anybody ever done suicide? You get up and you run to the end and you can't stop. You out of gas and you, can, you better not stop because if you stop, everybody going to pay for it. But what they were teaching you in those sports is you just can't give up because it's not convenient. You can't stop coming to church just because something bad happened in your life or you missed a Sunday or two. That's okay. Get up and do it again. Do it until you can be committed. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 11 through 18. Because I hear somebody, I hear some smart theologian saying, Pastor Day, that, uh, oh, he's teaching out of the Old Testament today. We're under a new covenant. OK, let's go to the new covenant. Let's see what the new covenant has to say about it. We have to do that for, the, for, for those people. Uh, I, I love this. What does it say? Second Corinthians six through 11. Y'all, let's read it with passion. We're going to read it with passion. And I don't need you to get quiet when certain things hit you the wrong way. I need you to get louder. Can you do that? That's what I want you to do today. When something hits you, instead of getting quiet, I want you to get even louder today. Because you, you need to speak that faith to yourself. You ready? Let's read. It says what? We have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Stop. Wait a minute. I don't go to that church because they give me too many rules. Nobody says you have to do anything. You hindering yourself. Those are guidelines. Let's, let's see what it says. Verse 13. Now in return, I speak as to children, you also be open. Oh, here comes verse 14. This is going to hurt somebody's feelings, but that's okay. What does it say? First sentence, please. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Wow. Let's say it again for the people in the back. Let's say it again. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But in today's day of the celebrity pastor, we got celebrity pastors going around trying to think that they're important just because they know a famous person who does not live for God, does not care about God, and does not care about you. The only thing you're getting is clout from people on the outside who are perishing, and you are going to perish with them unless you repent. But he's my buddy. What does it say? Every time I point to you, I want you to say that. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But they've been there for me when I had nobody else. Come on. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But we related. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But we went to the same school. Do not be unequally yoked. You don't understand, Pastor, I'm trying to get here, and they got all these connections that could get me to the next level like Jesus don't. What? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But they're my children, Lord. Oh, no, 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 we'll be quiet now. Let's say it again. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That doesn't mean throw them to the curb. But you need to say the fine line of demarcation is this is how we live. If that's how you're going to live, I'll accept you, but I won't accept it. Amen. If you live out that way and you want to live like that outside of my house, I can't control you when you're grown, but you will not bring it here. I will not let you. It's, uh, it amazes me how much people are against something until somebody in their family start doing it. Then it's you just don't understand. 
They're good people. There are plenty of good people in the world, but if you connect with good people, bleach is good and ammonia is great, but if you put the two together, they're toxic. You can have two helpful things come together and be bad. They may be good for out there, but you're trying to grow as a Christian, and you know they hate church. You know they hate the Bible. You're not going to influence them. Stop lying to yourself. They are going to influence you. You notice every time y'all get ready to go and they call you, they are already ready to go do other things. But every time you ask them to come to church, they get quiet. They ain't got time. That don't seem like a fair relationship, does it? You always got time to do what they want, but they ain't got time to do what you. Sounds like somebody's unequally yoked. And you wonder why you're spiritually dead. Oh, Jesus. Don't get quiet on me. We having fun, ain't we? <laughs> smile. Smile for me. Well, for, let's see. Why, what's his reasoning behind this? Why does he say this? Let's see what he says. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion we did that today has light with darkness and on what accord has Christ with Belial who is Belial Satan evil you know they're not living for God when God calls you out he calls you up you know what that means you're gonna lose some friends I can't find no new Christian friends, Pastor. I hear this all the time. Pastor, I wish I had more saved kids my age to go in. You ain't committed. Why would he send you somebody you still halfway out there? Why would he give you a car when you already got one in the garage? How are you going to give you a Christian friend and you're still hanging on to your worldly ones? There's no space. Oh, Jesus, don't get quiet. Please don't get quiet. <laughs> is this helping? Raise your hands if this is helping you today. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a tough word that most pastors will be scared to preach nowadays. But I'm crazy. Let's keep going. <laughs> or what what? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Just in case you couldn't figure out what he was saying, he just went on and said it. What does a saved person have to do with an unsaved person? Nothing. What do you have in common? And if you have something in common, that means you more like them than they are like. Oh, Jesus. If you can't say amen, oh, Jesus. I'm glad Paul's saying that. Y'all can't be mad at me and Paul in heaven. He ain't sudden y'all. But that's it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What does it say? And this is, know you not, before I read this other scripture, the scripture also says, the Bible, scripture interprets scripture. The Bible says, know you not that your what? Body is the temple of the what? Holy Spirit. So let's, what he's let's see what he's talking about, the temple of God now. He says, what and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Stop. Now, I want you 
to, to read this with passion. He's giving you logic. And if he gives you a therefore, there's a reason that it's therefore. He just gave you a whole treatise of why he's about to say what he said. So let's what, see what he said. Let's read it loud and vociferously. Let's read it. What does it say? Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. And you shall be what? My sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. It's time for the people of God to stop playing with God, trying to please people and placate friends. God is not, God is not fooled. You're not fooling God. You're just fooling church folk. And that doesn't say anything. It's time for you to get off of the fence and do what Joshua said. Joshua said, I'll tell you what, that Abraham's father, he worshiped the moon. He came from Ur of the Chaldees, and they worshiped a moon god. That's where Lath is from. They worshiped the god of the moon, and God called him out of that mess. He said, go to a land that I will show you. He said, even now that we've crossed over into the river, some of y'all have started trying other religions. We got Christians playing with tarot cards. We got Christians using crystals. We got Christians talking about horoscopes. Stop that foolishness. Choose you this day. Who you going to serve? Oh, Jesus. I'm not mad, y'all. I'm just passionate. (laughs) We got Christians straddling the fence. Talking about what's your sign? Are you a Libra or Pisces? I'm a Christian and get away from me with that foolishness. But we don't want to offend nobody. We've been so much around the world, we can't admit that we've allowed the world to infect us instead of us affecting them. And God called you to be salt and light. You got to choose. You can't stay on the fence. You're not fooling nobody but yourself. You can fool me. You can make me think that you feel of the Holy Ghost and that you're the most saved believer in the world. But the Bible said that one day there will be a throne called the great white throne of judgment where every man is given according to the deeds done in the body, whether good nor evil. I don't have a heaven or hell to put you into, but I will tell you there is a heaven or hell that does exist. And you better stop trying to fool me and get real with God because you're going to spend eternity somewhere. I'm not mad, I'm just passionate. (laughs) We need passion about these things again. We need to tell people, you can't keep flirting with the world. Either you're going to be in here or out here. You need to be like Alicine Berry. I loved Alicine Berry. My grandma would get on my nerves sometimes, especially during summertime. I hated going over there. Why? Because it's summer and it's hot in Mississippi. And when you get hot, you want to come in and get some water. And she said, look here. Either you're going to be in or you're going to be out. <laughs> but you're not going to keep coming in, running my ass stuff out. you either coming in here or you're going to be out there. And so we learned to drink from the water hose, Brother Dave, so we didn't have to come on in inside because we realized we're going to be out here or we're going to be there, but we can't be both. That's the word I give to every Gen Xer and every millennial and every Gen Z. We're through trying to make ourselves relevant to you. We're through trying to make ourselves seem palatable to you. I tell you this, heaven is real, God is real, and so is hell. Make a choice. Nobody's going to beg you anymore. God is calling you to choose whom this day you will serve. You, God doesn't need you. You need him.
wants you. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at the blessing. He says, if you do not touch the unclean thing, then I will be a what? A father to you. You holding up your own relationship with Jesus. You could be closer to him, but you got people in your life. You got sin in your life that you need to get out of your life. You need to get off of Instagram and don't tell me I can't change my algorithm. You can keep hitting I don't want to see this. And no naked pictures will stop showing up. You can stop looking at OnlyFans if you want to stop looking at OnlyFans. God is calling you today. It's time to make a choice. Ooh, I don't know how many people are going to stop watching after today, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It's time out for preachers to stop being mealy-mouthed and trying to please people and be politicians and saying everything all polished and prim and pristine and you're making people feel good on their way to hell. And you're going to be judged for every bit of it. Because God put the truth in your mouth and you stayed quiet. Because you were worried more about getting ties. You were worried more about building big buildings. You were worried more about TV programs than you were for the loss, and you're going to be judged for it. You were worried more about followers and popularity and breaking YouTube than you were about ministering to the people God had given you right in front of you. So you wouldn't use the truth. Lord Jesus. Facebook probably going to take this down, but it's too late. Somebody now already heard it. When we make a total commitment to Christ, he will receive us. When we straddle the fence, we rob ourselves of true fellowship and intimacy with Christ. You robbing yourself by straddling the fence. Last scripture for the day, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. God writes to seven churches. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, he writes to the richest. Laodicea is the richest church along this, this trade route. When, Paul, when John writes to the churches of Laodicea, he goes in the order of a trade route that goes clockwise. They take the letter from John from the Isle of Patmos, and he go all the way around so that everybody reads these letters. So everybody done read their business almost by the time they get to them. And they are just like what we would call in today America. They well off. You know why? Because in Laodicea, they have this thing that, that, had, that, that they made. It's a miracle eye salve. And people come from miles around to get that eye Myself, and they they can they help people to see and they're big in wool and the clothing industry so they make money off of the wool and as well as they are influent because they have a banking industry and this is what Jesus tells them you get you like you think that miracle salve is going to save you you think the housing industry or uh, not the housing but the clothing industry is going to save you you think that the money is going to save you he says you say that I am rich you say that I have no need of nothing but you are poor blind and naked all your money won't save you. I don't care what your title is. Your money ain't going to save you. I don't care how much money you have in your 401k. Your money won't save you. I don't care what kind of drive, car you drive or how many influential people you know. None of them will be able to save themselves on the day of judgment. You are wasting your time trying to impress people who need help just like you. All of them got to stand before God. 
Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14 through 20. What does it say? Let's read it. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your work stop. Everybody else looking at you, they think you're the church that got it going on. <laughs> but I know your You can fool everybody on social media and put up nice videos and promos about all the homeless people you're helping, about all the good things you're doing and all the hip and young, dressed, nice people that are coming to your church to attract other people. But I know your works. I know what's real. See, that's the thing we have to learn. In the day, everything is fake. In the day of social media, do you know what, Jay? I can frame anything to make it say what I want to say. The sanctuary out there looks different than the sanctuary up there. The people online get a completely different experience than the people that are sitting out here. Why? Because you can make cameras and angles do whatever you want them to do. Nothing is real anymore. In many places, including church. But you got to remember, no matter how much you fake for other people, there's a God in heaven saying, ah. And what does he say about their works? That they are what? Neither cold nor hot. Now, let me explain to you what that meant to them. When you're doing proper biblical exegesis, whatever was said to them at the time needs to be what's meant to you. So you'll know exactly what it meant to them. Not only were they rich, but they didn't have a, a plumbing system like we had. They had what you call aqueducts. And aqueducts were big, tall structures with arches, looked like bridges that were bringing water. Uh, Romans were kind of, they were, they, were, they were pretty advanced. They had indoor toiletry, some of them. And, and those waters would bring aqueducts. And this is what would happen. One of those aqueducts would bring in hot water from a hot spring. The only problem is by the time gravity had brought it down, it was putrid because the hot water had cooled halfway off and it was neither hot nor cold. I don't know about you, Brother Ernie, but I keep a refrigerator in my room. Why? Because I love cold water. And if there's one thing I can't stand, it's lukewarm water. Amen. You can cook it or you can hit. I can, you, I can even steam some water, Sister Barbara, and it'll be good. I, I like hot water when it gets cold. I, I love cold water when it's hot. But one thing I can't stand is to open up some lukewarm water. It just tastes nasty. And theirs was coming down in a dirty aqueduct. And so guess what? It would make the people who drink it want to vomit. That's how nasty it was. That's why he told them, because you are lukewarm, he's referring to, think about the water you're drinking. That's what I think about you. That's what he's saying. You are neither hot nor cold. And so why did he, what did he say this? He says, what? Oh, Jesus. Let's start at verse 15. I knew your work, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. What's the next part say? So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I, vom I will vomit you out of my mouth. I didn't say this. God said it. He looked at the church and said, you make me want to puke. That's what, it, is that not what he said? Because you're straddling the fence. Wow. Those are some strong words. That's why we don't have men in church, because we won't tell the strong truth. I'm gonna, if you're here, you got to be a man to be in here, because I'm going to tell the strong truth. Or a strong woman. That's what he says. You make me want to vomit. Wow. The Bible says stuff like that? Yeah. 
Those are the words of God. If you go back to the book of John, they're in red. That's Jesus talking. The one that everybody says is nice and he, he gets us and he's like everything and he accepts everything. That's what Jesus is saying. Those words are red. Those come out of his mouth. Don't believe those he gets us commercials and that garbage they put on TV. He gets you right and that's what he gets. You make me. That's Jesus. Because what you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. Oh, Jesus. Keep going. Let's see what his advice is for them. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with salve that you may see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten. I might not be this passionate and this hard preaching every Sunday but every now and then we need this. Because if God doesn't rebuke you and chasten you, you're not healed. How many times have you been, let's be honest, how many times have we looked over and we out there and there's this parent that can't control their child? <laughs> now sit down and be quiet and use your words. Slap them upside the head and tell them sit down. <laughs> they in charge of you, you're not in charge of them. That's what you're thinking. How many are thinking that? Thank you, the entire church. Yeah, when you go out and you see little people out in the world that's trying, that can't control their children, the Bible says, beat them, they shall not die. Spell the, he that spelled the rod hated his son. Now, let me, let me clarify for the, for, for the slow people today. That don't mean beat and abuse. That's not what I'm saying. Not out of anger, but out of discipline and love and correction. Because there, there could be somebody listening that's off. <laughs> Don't abuse your kids. Don't curse at your kids. But discipline your children. But we've all been like that. But here's the thing. You look, but you don't say nothing. Why? You even talk about the parents. Yeah, I know you do, because I hear you. I overhear you. I hear you in the mouth. Look at her. That's so embarrassing. They can't make them do nothing. They in charge. Who's the parent? I hear you talking. Don't get quiet now. I've heard some of y'all sometimes. Why? You don't say anything because it's not your child. And you're not worried about it. If God ain't chastening you, you should be scared. You should be very concerned if you can sin and you don't feel the conviction of God. Because if he's not chastening you, you don't belong to him. Oh, Jesus, this is not the way I intended to go today. <laughs> he tricked me, Brother Dave. <laughs> But he knew what he wanted to say. He says this, as many as I what? Love. I rebuke and I chasten. Wow. Don't tell me how to parent. You parent however you want. Those are your children. I'm trying to make a point. Don't be offended if you're out there in social media land. If you don't want to spank your kids, you don't have to spank your kids. But they can't stay over my house. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, be zealous and repent. Wow. What did he say? After he's telling them, I'm chasing you, I'm not telling you this so you can feel bad. And when you leave from reading this letter or from church service, you'd be beat up. I'm telling you this because I what? 
love you. When you love somebody, you tell them the what? Truth. Now, see what he says. Therefore, be what? Zealous. Be all in. Be ham. Don't be eggs. And repent. Come in all the way. Don't be on the fence. Give all you have to God. Behold, I what? Stand at the door and knock. He won't kick it down. You've got to open it. If anyone hears my what? Voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Some of y'all waiting for God to take you and DDT you and body slam you to make you do right. It's not going to happen. You have to make the choice. You got to get rid of all the fences in your life. How many fences are we straddling in our lives? How many places in our lives did God only have half of us? I come to church, but stay out of my marriage. I come to church, but stay out of my wallet. As long as you ain't preaching about no money, I'll come. I come to church, but don't tell me I need to change and do better. What fence are we on? Because everybody has a fence that's straddling a little bit. And what God is lovingly saying is, this is your wake-up call. I feel God speaking this heavily in my spirit right now for somebody. I don't know who's here, but you know exactly who it's for. This is your wake-up call. And he's not going to call again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's time to get off the fence. And give God authentic commitment. There's no judgment in this place. There's no condemnation in this place. We're all sinners in need of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know in your heart you have not been committed like you need to be. Or if you just need prayer. We're going to open this altar as Brother Dave comes. But think real long and hard before you do it this time. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes pastors just want to see people at the altars and praying, and you come and he feels good because you came to the altar. But this time, I'm going to tell you something different. If you're not serious, stay where you are. No need in fooling yourself because you're not fooling God. Because Jesus does this to his disciples. He says this, what man builds a building before he first counts up the cost? Yes, I want you to come. But God's not going to have half of you. He wants all of you. And when you purpose in your heart that you can give him everything, walk this way. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. After all to call, we're going to pray for Kevin and his family. Yeah.